Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey, everyone. This is Mark Trichel with another episode of With Flying Colors. I'm excited today. I've got a special guest that I first connected with on LinkedIn. And today I am have the good fortune of chatting with David Seibert, who is an enterprise risk management for credit union expert. David, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, me too. Enterprise risk management is something that comes up with several of my clients as it relates to NCUA examinations. We might be able to speak to that a little bit. And obviously, the whole concept of enterprise risk management in and of itself is a big discipline. And some credit unions have it, some credit unions don't. NCUA does not particularly require it. However, if you go to the guidance that they have out there that they've provided to their examiners, they talk about the fact that that credit unions need to assess their risk management and everything short of requiring it. They point out that large credit unions, they don't define what large is, but they talk about the fact that one way you can assess your risks and control your risks is to have an ERM, ERM framework, which is why I thought it would be really good to kind of chat with you about you know all things related to enterprise risk management. Yeah, that's so, a great mark. I mean, you're right about everything you said about the NCOA's stance on this. So yeah, I'm looking forward to diving in. Yeah. So David, in looking a little bit at your resume, I know that and some of your LinkedIn posts, I really like your LinkedIn posts. They, you provide a lot of clarity on this topic. So you didn't, you weren't always an enterprise risk management professional. You got there and the journey took you there. Could you kind of describe for the audience what led you to risk management? Yeah, I sure can. And I think I'm old enough that there's no way I could have started an enterprise risk management. <laughs> You have to be a fairly young person to start an ERM because it is a fairly new discipline relative to everything else we do in business. But I did start my career in finance, started structuring municipal bonds for a small boutique financial advisory firm. But then my interests changed to the internet and IT, and I became very interested in information security. So I did a pretty abrupt career change there and switched over to IT information security. And I did that for about 12 years. And during that time, I was having to manage my own departments and I was getting more exposure to corporate strategy. So I was learning a lot about strategy. So here I was in this risk silo of information security, and I was really infatuated with strategy, but I was wondering how my risk fit in with the strategy and the overall business plan. And I knew there were other functions at the business and I wondered how they dealt with strategy. So there was a gap there. And towards the end of that 12-year career, I found enterprise risk management. And I noticed that that was what filled the gap between your silo risk management functions and corporate strategy. So I really started studying that for several years. And then in 2010, I got my first job doing enterprise risk management at a large credit union in Minnesota. So I did that. Um, I was, I've been a lifelong credit union member. So I was always a, a big fan of the credit union movement. So I started enterprise risk management in 2010. I've been doing that for 12 years. 
I left the credit union after about four and a half years, and I've just been consulting with credit unions ever since then just to help them implement and improve their current program. So that's what I've been doing. Very good. That's interesting. So, you know, a lot of times when I think about different new topics, I always think about the fact that that life is a bell curve and you can plot pretty much anything that you want to on a bell curve. So if you were to plot the different ways to approach ERM, I'm pretty sure there's probably a center part of the bell curve where a lot of people do it this way. And you can move to the left and there'll be different ways you can approach it to the left. And there'll be different ways you could approach it to the right on that bell curve. So with all the different ways that ERM could be approached, what is it that you think is how you approach ERM as it relates to when you're working with your clients? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, And that's an interesting way to look at it with that bell curve. And I could list a number of things that are outside kind of on the tails, of those bell curves. But most of us do enterprise risk management where we're, we have at least some interest in risk appetite. There are some factions out there that just have complete doubt in whether risk appetite works. And, and I sometimes have my doubts too. It's a very elegant concept, but very difficult to actually put into practice. In the middle of that bell curve, there's uh, your enterprise risk assessments. You know, What are our top risks? What are we doing about those? Key risk indicators, that's one of my most popular offerings and projects I do with credit unions. I think there's a a lot to be done with key risk indicators and they get underutilized. So I'm a big fan of that. One of the things that sits pretty far outside on the curve is very quantitative risk management. I know not very many credit unions all do this, and that's recognizing that your drivers of risk and your outcomes of risk are really a distribution of of outcomes. They are bell curves or some kind of a curve. So there's the idea of running Monte Carlo simulation to really figure out what your true risk is. But that definitely is kind of off on a tail side. But the last thing I'd say about that is, you know, my personal approach to ERM came about in my early days of doing enterprise risk management, because as I was doing the activities of ERM, I was always interacting with the corporate strategy. And that makes us, makes sense to a lot of us because we're all trying to achieve the strategy and we have to understand our risk to achieve the strategy. And then I was also interacting a lot with governance. You know, there's the board, the supervisory committee, the management, risk management committee, other committees like ALCO, lending. So, and also governance includes the policies and the control framework. So as I was doing ERM, I was always running into strategy and governance. So I have this ecosystem I call the RGS ecosystem, which is the risk governance and strategy ecosystem. So when I work with all my credit unions, by by default, they're going to get good integration with governance and strategy because that's just how I see it. So that's kind of my unique perspective on it. I think you even refer to having in being the inventor of the RGS strategy. You pointed that out. Okay. That, that, I was going to ask you what that is, but you, you took care of that right there. I decided to say I was the inventor of that because I've received a lot of positive feedback on LinkedIn through my posts about that ecosystem. And so I thought, well, hey, I, I should just keep moving forward with this concept. So I'm going to keep exploring it further and building content around it. That's great. That's great. And so you know, one of the things you mentioned is the key risk indicators. And it sounded like you said you, all of your clients, when they come into the fold, that's something that you do for them or that you offer them. Is that typically the starting point? If someone comes in, is that when you're going to sit down and brainstorm on ERM and they're totally brand new to 
to ERM. Mm -hmm. Is that a good starting point or where does the conversation start with the credit union that's new to ERM? Yeah, that's a good question. When when a credit union's first starting out, even before they would contact someone like me, I, I would suggest that whoever's in charge of ERM to really go out and talk to other people at the credit union who are doing risk management activities, really just take an inventory of what's already taking place and build relationships and, you know, find out what's working and build a plan based on that. So you don't have to reinvent anything. And you're also not burning any bridges. You're building good relationships. And the second thing I would suggest is there are a number of foundational things that you need to put into place before you really rush out there and start identifying risk. So you need to make sure your governance is in place. Like, is there a risk policy and how quickly can you get a risk policy put together? You know, you need that directive from the board saying, hey, we will do enterprise risk management. So you want that. You want roles and responsibility. So, you know, once you identify risk, who's going to do what and what they're responsible for doing. A risk management committee, a management level committee is very helpful to build and improve a risk management program. So you want that in place. In terms and definitions, it's amazing how people at the same organization can have a completely different understanding of a term than everybody else. So you really want to make sure that you get on the same page with terms and definitions, because you can have some strange conversations when you're talking about, you know, what's a residual risk or what's inherent risk and, you know, all this stuff. So those are some foundational things I'd put into place. But when credit unions come to me and they want to get started, I'll do an assessment of what's in place already. I will look at their foundational elements and kind of do a gap analysis there. And then from there, there's kind of two paths a credit union typically will go down. They'll either go down the enterprise risk assessment path, which is, hey, let's let's identify our key risks, kind of like that top 10 list. That's very well known. That's a very common route or key risk indicators. And for credit unions that are already really good at metrics and service level agreements and that kind of thing, and they don't have any concerns about any major risks they're missing out on, key risk indicators can be a fantastic cornerstone for an enterprise risk management program because you can do some reporting that is very digestible by the board. Uh, and you can report different levels of key risk indicators to different levels of the organization. So that's kind of like a second popular path to go down. Got it. Well, and so the government's concept, the reporting to the board concept, looking at it from, again, you know, the path I took from the NCUA side of things, the examiners typically are going to be looking at, okay, how are they assessing the risk? How is that being reported to the board? What is being reported to the board? There's what the board wants to know, and there's what the board's required to know. And somewhere in between that is what they should know. And when you sit down with, uh, with clients, or, or you mentioned going you know, to speak to boards of directors and talking them through this, I'm sure you must have some dialogues that kind of fall into those categories. I'm very pleasantly surprised. Well, I shouldn't say su- surprised. I'm very pleased with the level of risk management interest and knowledge by the boards I've worked with. So that's very good to report that. So I do like to get their take on it as early as I can and their sentiment and what they want. And if I feel there's a gap there, I will take that opportunity to suggest other things they ought to be doing and what they ought to be looking at. But you really nailed it, Mark, as far as you know what they should be doing. They need to have understanding of how risk is managed at the credit union and have faith that it's managed properly so that they can trust the reporting. And then they need to look at the reporting and make sure that that the risks that the credit union is taking are in line with their risk appetite and what they want to achieve 
and how they represent the membership. So those are the kind of two main things that I like to talk to boards about. So yeah, getting the board sentiment and their take on risk management, along with senior management and what the culture of the organization is, what's the decision framework, how do they make decisions? Is it consensus-based? Is it decentralized? Is it hierarchical? I mean, a lot of these things come into, into play. And I work with all sorts of credit unions, but I just need to discover that, you know, before I dig. Sure, yeah. yeah. I can see that in the culture. You mentioned building trust and, and building bridges and getting the groups together. And, and, you know, your start on the IT side, which had its own associated risks and you mitigated those risks and you wanted to move beyond that and get into strategy of the other areas. But when you get into other areas, and, and, and so let's say you're out there and you've got the, the CFO and you've got the IT person and you have HR, each one of those is a wheel on the operations of the credit union. However, there's also potentially can be, you know, be some turf, right? Is this is my program. This is how I mitigate my risk. So when you're setting up what the board wants and potentially a committee, who ends up on the committee, who ends up not being on the committee and all those dynamics, I'm sure you help credit unions decide those kind of fun things. Yeah, you're right. Those dynamics all come into play. I'm happy to say that that's really doesn't really turn into being an issue. Most credit unions are pretty easy to work with. They figure out who should be on the committee, roles and responsibilities, documenting those in your policy and just getting that stuff laid down and in writing really helps that out. And the process of doing that gets people's differences of opinion to eventually align. So, you know, if, if you go about it the right way and bring people into the fold at the right speed and with the right intentions, you get to the right outcome. So there's some skill involved in doing that. And you mentioned that these different functions like HR and IT, they have their way of doing risk. But another way to look at it is they also have a, a bias towards their how big their cog is in the wheel, right? And HR, nothing happens without people, right? We all know that. So HR has got that big stick like, hey, I mean, we got to have people. <laughs> and then IT is like, well, everything runs on systems, right? So let's talk about this. Everything runs on systems. I, I need to have this secure. So it's interesting to understand their viewpoint when it comes to just how they fit into the strategy, as well as how should we mitigate my risks? <laughs> so it's very, you know, that soft side of enterprise risk management is really where the excitement is and the, and the fun. Uh, the technical side of building spreadsheets and things like that is just routine stuff, I should say. Sure. Well, and so kind of looking at, you know, the journey that I took at NCUA, starting as an examiner on the mission side of the operation, I, but then I spent three years as the deputy executive director, eight years as the executive director. And it wasn't really until I served as the deputy executive director where I was directly supervising the support portions for mission and support. You're looking at the definition of support. Support holds you up, right? It's the foundation. And there would be those discussions at NCUA relative to the people, to the dollars, to the protecting, the needing to get a new software system up and running so we can do the exam program quickly, yet wanting to make sure that you can't get attacked behind the scenes. So you need to give the chief information officer enough money to protect and create and build that moat. And without that foundation, the mission can become irrelevant if you don't have that foundation in place. So I get that. Where And the fact that you have an ERM policy, the fact that you form the committee can lead to just a better conversation of, around everything 
that leads or doesn't lead to a risk and then how to control that. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I do believe in the ad enterprise risk management and the supporting governance and policies and roles and responsibilities and definitions and capabilities to manage risk at the organization. Everything you just talked about is more difficult. Again, saying it's difficult without those things in place. And you, you're absolutely right, Mark. If you have those in place, you have a committee, you have a place to have the conversations and you have, again, just bringing those people together and having those conversations and it makes a big difference. And it, it makes it easier to talk about risk, makes it easier to get to consensus. The tools help you get to consensus. So, you know, there's a lot of those hidden things about enterprise risk management that people don't think about, but it, it has a lot of benefits. One, another benefit since we're on this topic is when you implement an enterprise risk management program at a credit union, you almost immediately improve your strategy management process. What is our strategy? What are the things we have to do well to achieve this strategy? And the fact that you're always assessing risk relative to what we're trying to, trying to achieve, meaning you're talking about the strategy, immediately has an impact on the quality of the strategy. So I, I love that outcome too. It's, sure. it's pretty impressive. No, that I could see that. That makes a lot of sense. So a lot of different things in the world post-pandemic are different than they were pre-pandemic. And whether that's remote work, whether it's the fact that you and I are looking at each other on a video conference, NCUA does a big part of their exams and just recently started going back on site. And that was driven to a great extent by the pandemic. So how has, has there been, what's your takeaway relative to enterprise risk management post-pandemic? Is there things that, was there an aha moment or has enterprise risk management moved in a particular manner because of where the world's at today? Yeah, that's a good question. We've certainly gone through a lot of change. And I do believe that enterprise risk management programs at credit unions are getting much more attention. So I'm seeing that now. A lot of the individuals who are working in enterprise risk management played a pretty powerful role in the changes necessary to accommodate work from home. And they were charged with Let's figure out how we're going to do this. How are we going to make our IT infrastructure secure? Let's work with IT on this. Let's assess that risk. Let's decide when we can close a branch, when we can open a branch, what's our mask policy. So ERM was pretty involved in all of these things. So that's elevated the status. And since then, I would say that there's been so many changes in society now Cyber risk, because everybody's working from home and because of the Russia-Ukraine thing, cyber risk continues to be a, a very high risk on everybody's radar. This whole great resignation and staffing is just a really big challenge. So that's a risk they're dealing with. There is climate change and ESG, and that's becoming, even given the pandemic, that's really getting big and in the news. And I do talk to credit unions who are talking about that internally and how to deal with that. So ERM's picking up that ball. Diversity and, and inclusion, very important topic credit unions are diving into. So prior to the pandemic, you would call it, I guess, your baseline. But post-pandemic right now, there are a lot of changes going on that is elevating the need for enterprise risk management and the need to improve it and to be more effective, actually. So I guess that's how I would summarize post-pandemic ERM at credit unions. That's interesting. And even as you were describing that on the front end, those credit unions that had ERM in place when the pandemic hit, 
they knew where they were going to have those tough conversations. When should we open the branch? What are we going to do relative to masks? When do we have to close the masks? How do we deal with the legal risk versus the operational risk Mm -hmm. of of just having to get the, you know, the doors open to being able to serve your members? And, And there's no doubt in my mind that those that had that in place had that structure and probably had a a running head start as opposed to those that were like just doing it business as usual without that framework. You're right. Those those credit unions with ERM already in place already had the experience of talking about a lot of these topics already because there's scenario planning, there's business continuity. So again, people are already talking about those things as they conduct enterprise risk management activities. So it was really just leveraging that in a real world situation and, and acting. So yeah, yes, think... table, this is not a tabletop exercise this time. <laughs> Excellent. Absolutely right, Mark. This is no longer a tabletop exercise. And by the way, a pandemic won't last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, well, you know, I back in March of 2020 on a call with all of NCUA staff, I shut down NCUA as executive director for two weeks. And we had pushback on the call that people at that juncture thought it was an overreaction. And it wasn't until three months ago, two months ago, that NCUA actually started giving examiners the option to go back on site. And some of them are, some credit unions are receptive to it and all that. So yeah, it's been a, an interesting couple of years. So speaking of NCUA, again, how does NCUA come into play during your consulting engagements with credit unions? Mm-hmm. Well, there are a few credit unions that will contact me because the NCUA was recently on site and they basically suggested that the credit union improve their risk management capabilities. That's typically how it's worded. They won't come right out and mention enterprise risk management. Sometimes they do, but they just know they need to improve enterprise risk management. So that's sometimes the lead in for me to be contacted. Now with credit unions that have programs already in place, Or, yeah, for those credit unions that already do enterprise risk management, a lot of the exams are pretty happy with the fact that they have enterprise risk management. So they don't get any further feedback. So I have the pleasure of hearing about credit unions that are doing enterprise risk management, but they don't have any concerns from the NCUA, but they still might contact me because they, there's a specific part of ERM they want to implement and they realize they just don't have maybe the skill set or the time to get it done. So it has nothing to do with NCUA. But again, I I do believe that the examiners look very highly upon enterprise risk management programs. I remember myself, I think it was year two of me being an ERM at the credit union. And the examiner sat down with me in a conference room and he basically, he looked at me and he said, it looks like you've done all my work for me. (laughs) And I thought, well, hey, this is great. So that's starting off right on the right foot. And I don't think that reaction from examiners is, is all that uncommon. I think they come in, they look at what the ERM programs put together for reporting, what they're sharing with the board, how they've identified risks, responded, and how that's working for them. And they have positive things to say about it. So I would say my interaction with NCUA and their interaction with other credit unions is pretty light right now. And so far, it's, it's been pretty good. That's good. And I think your your take on that mirrors what I've seen as a consultant and what my expectations were when I was at NCUA. Again, NCUA stopped short of requiring it. And that's really mostly so that someone can decide based on their size and resources whether or not it's appropriate. But 
for anybody of any substantial size, and I'm not going to pick a number, it's a good way to frame your risks. And NCUA's exam is all about risks. So if you have this structure that explains it, you're going to get NCUA to say, you've done my job for me. And anytime an examiner makes that statement, you know that they're going to be there less frequently, most likely, and your CAMEL score is going to be a little bit better. So again, while NCUA has stopped short of saying it's required, there's no doubt in my mind that they look very positively on credit unions that that have invested in it. And it is an investment and it's a wise investment relative to the risks. So there is and one more thing on this, since you mentioned, you know, even small credit unions implementing enterprise risk management, and that does happen. So as a side note, I, I have, I'm starting my own podcast around credit union enterprise risk management. It's called ERM Perspectives. And I interview, you know, credit union ERM practitioners every week and get their input. And one of my guests on the program was a CEO of a credit union because she is the ERM person. She runs ERM. She chairs the risk management committee at the credit union and it falls on her and she's very happy to do it. So even small credit unions and even the CEO can be in charge of enterprise risk management. And to your point, I think the NCOA would look very positively on the fact that there's a program in place at that credit union. There's no doubt. And you know, kudos for the podcast. I look forward to listening when, when you officially launch them. Thank you. And the reality too is one of the things that led me to want to do a podcast was the ability to just kind of talk about, you know, what's in my head after 33 years at NCUA and talk to my team members. A lot of my podcasts, I interview team members who help me when I go out and consult. And it's in reality is it's a way to give back to the credit union community and have these discussions to with, where people can listen, where they may never even contemplate calling me and saying, hey, Mark, how can you help me directly? But the fact that the opportunity to educate on that is out there, I really enjoy doing that. And I could see where your podcast is going to do exactly that same thing, where they might not be able to afford to bring in someone to do it. But just by listening to it, they're going to pick up some key concepts, which may lead them to actually drafting that policy and having that conversation with the board, which is going to put the credit union in a better place. You're absolutely right. I'm doing this because no one else is doing this for enterprise risk management for credit unions. And there's a gap there that needs to be filled. And with the guests I've had so far, they're sharing things on how they do risk appetite, you know, how they're reporting to the board how they're using key risk indicators. So you're getting the inside scoop from each and every one of them on what they're doing. And the CEO who's running her enterprise risk management program, she very much follows the NCUA guideline and NCUA examination rules and what the NCUA is doing. So that's kind of her basis, her baseline for building ERM. And she also uses the call report heavily. So she's leveraging some tools that are already out there. And I thought that was a great learning. So that's everybody can learn from listening sure. to these podcasts. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting mine published. They're not actually published yet, but I'm, I'm very close. That's exciting. I look forward to hearing them. So as we get close to wrapping up here, David, any questions I should have asked? Any thoughts, any last thoughts you like to make relative to the concept of enterprise risk management? Oh, wow. I, 
You know, this has been a great conversation, Mark. I say we can stop here. I don't have anything else to add. You've done a great job of asking questions and it was a lot of fun. So thank you. It was fun. And I, I really do enjoy these. This one was fun in particular. And maybe that's the Minnesota connection that we haven't really mentioned here, but we both have a long history in Minnesota. So yeah, that's right. I appreciate that connection. That was cool to find that out. So I'm glad neat. we made that connection. Very neat. Now, so if someone's listening to this and they want to reach out to you to see how you can assist them, David, what would be the best way for them to reach you? I would say the easiest way is either on LinkedIn or through on LinkedIn, they can find David Seibert on LinkedIn or my website, which is davidseibertconsulting.com. And I will put in the show notes of this episode, I will have the link to your LinkedIn and I'll have the link to your website as well. Wonderful. Thank you. Great. David, thank you for your time today. And thank you, Mark. I want to thank also the listeners today for their time. And I think you, I have no doubt you'll enjoy this episode and I look forward to having you listen to future episodes. That's it. Mark Trichel signing off with Flying Colors. Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktrichel.com. 